Hey everyone, this is Paul Kingsbury. Welcome to the Cutlass Podcast, where we provide fresh perspectives to help you become a more sturdy, versatile, incredible leader and manager. Engage with us online at cutlassleadership.com and like and follow my Facebook page. And send me your questions and topic suggestions to cutlassleadership at gmail.com. Enjoy this episode. All right, Cutlass Podcast listeners and followers, welcome back. Uh, today, I want to take some time to get into a topic as we go through our daily routine, and that's keeping clarity in that daily routine. I want to really focus on what can distract us from getting things done during the day and maybe getting into some of the noise and barriers that come up each day, which really impact our leadership and managerial success. So with me today is Mass Chief Armin Owens. He's Command Mass Chief for Pearl Harbor Naval Shipyard in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. He is a career submariner with over 23 years, and he's served on multiple submarines and multiple AORs. He holds a Bachelor's of Science degree in Business Administration from Colorado Technical University. Armand's also built a community of leaders on his Facebook group, The Young Sun Leaders, and he has a YouTube channel as well, which he uses to discuss a variety of leadership topics. He's also the author of What to Say to Yourself About Yourself to Produce Your Best Self. Armand, thanks you for joining me. How's everything going with you these days? Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm out here in, in Pearl Harbor just enjoying uh, this wonderful weather and uh, you're doing everything I can to help make better leaders and continue to improve myself. So, you know, you and I talked a little bit, but before we get into the discussion on this concept of keeping clarity that you introduced, can you tell us a little bit about your website and your soon to be published book? Absolutely. So uh, the website is theunsungleader.com. Uh, and, you know, the upcoming book, uh, just like you alluded to, what to say to yourself about yourself to produce your best self, uh, really came out of a drive and a passion uh, for leadership and most importantly, self-leadership. I'm an avid believer and you can't lead anybody else if you don't know how to lead yourself effectively first. Right. And for me, it's about reducing all of our ego type of things that keep us blinded to everybody else's perspective and being more so being able to put ourselves in other people's perspective so we can have the level of empathy, compassion to be able to effectively be what we what everybody else needs us to be um, as a leader. So, yeah, absolutely. I love that concept of leading self. Uh, that's actually a chapter in the Chief Petty Elster Guide. It's the last one. It's something that we really started to talk towards towards the end of my career uh, in the Navy. And I think it's important that we really take time to do that. So this topic, I think, not only gets into that concept of leading and I think, frankly, managing yourself, but also into the management functions. You know, as I mentioned earlier in the intro, leaders and managers during the week, during the day, you're involved in a variety of activities that go across the management spectrum. And I think it's important yeah. people to think about those functions, right? So any day, as you know, right, you, you're planning something, you're probably taking some time after that to organize something, you may have to be taken aside to direct something, or you have to follow up on an evolution, you're in a brief, you're in a debrief. So during a day, at least in the Navy, you're constantly pulled in different directions. So I think it's important that you take time to make sure that you're able to stay focused when pulled in so many ways. And when I reached out to you, you know, I, I always like to get some insight on what the guest wants to talk about. You immediately came back with this concept or this topic of clarity. Why is this so important to you and why did this come up as a topic you really wanted to talk about? You know, the genesis, genesis of 
the topic really started with a rather innocuous revelation. I was in the kitchen getting ready to prepare for an underway that same day, just making my coffee like I normally do the same way I do every morning. And instead of putting sugar in my coffee, I ended up putting salt in my coffee. And our sugar and salt uh, containers in my house look nothing alike. But I was I stared at that coffee for a while. And I was really concerned with I am the person that is being counted on to effectively navigate this submarine out of the harbor. And I just put salt in my coffee, something that I do every single day. I'm going to put sugar in my coffee every single day. And it's something that now I'm like, what led me to do that? And I started to think about the, the days and the weeks prior, you know, to pre- preparing for the underway. And we were running hard pretty much every single day. We were working from zero six hundred, you know, to about nineteen twenty hundred every single day, not really getting, you know, effective amounts of sleep and really in a reactive posture, just waiting for the next thing to drop. And when I start to analyze this, I started I led to that led to the culmination of me putting salt in my coffee. I really started to think about what is my level of clarity right now? How am I seeing the world? Am I seeing the world as it is or am I seeing the world through you know, the lens of being tired, being exhausted, being frustrated, being angry? And what that led me to was to start to look at how can I optimize myself? How can I optimize my day? How can I optimize you know my life in a way that I can maintain the level of clarity that doesn't compromise the operations that I have to go into? <laughs> Talk about the coffee thing. I've had you know with coffee specifically, maybe not putting salt in there for sure, but. I've run the Keurig machine before without even putting the cup in, and those are yep. indicators. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that and kind of what gets in our mind. But so, what did you learn as you you have this experience, you have this realization, uh, and I think this is really good. This mindfulness to stop and pause and reflect on why you're doing what you're doing. So, what did you learn about yourself? What were the barriers? What were the interruptions? In a prior episode, we talked about the villains that come into our lives to distract mm-hmm. us. And this is kind of that same kind of flavor of topic. So what were those things you identified in your daily routine or in your mindset or in your life that you had to overcome? When this happened, I really started to look at you know source documentation. What has been written on this topic? What is the research on this topic that is currently out there? Okay. Um, and it started with analyzing my thinking. How is my cognitive processing operating? And when I started to look at my thinking, um, I realized that what I was feeling had more of an impact on my thinking than anything. And once I started going down this path of really, you know, self mastery, self management, um, I started to understand that it, it really had to do, you know, with my all the way down from my, my thinking down to my feelings, down to my emotions, all the way down you know, to my physiology. How am I managing myself from a, from a baseline physiological state, you know, to produce my best, best self? So I started to get into, you know, mindfulness, just like you talked about. I started to look at research. Uh, one of the main research tools I got into was a uh, breakthrough, you know, kind of technology called heart rate variability. Okay. Heart rate variability is the difference of time between each heartbeat. And typically that time frame is supposed to be variable, right? Because that is an indicator of how resilient your body currently is. When that heart rate variability 
that when those time frames between those heartbeats are too similar or too close together, that's an indicator of rigidness. Heart rate variability came into to study probably in about the 60s. It gives you a sense of what stress level you're currently at. Right. Most of us operating in this so uncertain times and, you know, in volatile, we call it in, in, a, in the military VUCA environment. You know, we're operating at a deficit. And for the most part, our nervous systems, um, because of the level of stress that we're operating on, we are in a freeze fight or flight state for the majority you know, of our existence. All right. We, we're not running from lions and tigers and bears. You know, now we're scared of due dates. We're scared of you know, broken equipment. We're scared of personnel matters that you know, continually creeping up on us. Right. And we stay in this freeze fight or flight you know, state, emotional state for for a very long time which increases the level of cortisol that's released within our systems, which diminish our cognitive processing at an enormous rate. You know, if you had to put a percentage, you know, on how we're, what level of ourselves we're bringing to the table, for the most part, when we're in that freeze, fight or flight state, we're only giving about, you know, 20 to 30% of what we could bring to the table. And once I started to to understand this and start to recognize the, the physiological components that really alter my feelings, my emotions and my thinking. I had to start at the base and work up. That was kind of the start of it, doing the research on HRV, implementing that into my life and implementing that on you know the submarine that I was the cob on as well. Yeah. So that gets at that internal knowing yourself piece. I connect with you on this feeling of it's not just the military or the Navy, right? There's probably other professions out there in the civilian sector, this feeling of what I call being turned on all the time and not in a sexual Absolutely. way, right? Like always kind of sensing a threat coming from somewhere, right? Like what am I missing? And I grew up in naval nuclear power. I know you've got a heavy submarine career. You did the cop thing. You know that community is brought up to learn, think about what's wrong, right? Not what's going right, but what could happen, right? Think about what could Absolutely. be happening. And it has you constantly, you know, on watch thinking about the next bad thing that could happen. And it may not even be realistic or not, but it creates a mindset. Probably later in my career, I, I realized like, hey, this thinking's not good for me. But I also noticed internally, I personally had a habit and I, I probably thrive off this a bit, right? We have a lot of spinning plates. I would be able to tee up a plate and get it spinning and then I had a bad habit, and frankly, I still do, of getting too many plates up spinning at once. The more plates you have spinning, the more less time you have to focus on each one. So you can be doing a lot of things, but the amount of focus is not there to the depth it probably needs to be. So I think this concept of knowing yourself and understanding how you could be drawing in there is an important first step. You know, and to your point about the you know spinning the plates, my the next phase after you know kind of analyzing myself, I sought mentors, and luckily. You know, I was able to to find mentors that would help me you know, minimize what was important. Okay. Right. Because we can, you know, because we can only do so much. Yes. You know, there's a theory out there called channel theory, just that says that we're limited to about three to four things that we can actually get done, you know, throughout the day. Um, I had a mentor sit down with me and go over with me, say, Hey, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to journal for the next two weeks, everything that you get done throughout the day, hour by hour, you know, journal of all the things you got done. And we're going to find throughout your day where you have leaks. And I was amazed at the amount of time that I was actually working hard. And I realized that instead of just working hard, I was actually just working long. I used to say that, too, because there'd be people that would come out and they'd be like, 
I get to work at 0500 and I leave work at 1900. And I mean, I appreciate that, but there's a lot of people on a command on a ship. People are doing their job. You've delegated properly. Communication is good. There's no reason for you to have to be working those long hours unless the there's a specific evolution that draws you that long. So that sense of being over-responsible in some cases or having that mindset that I have to be here or taking on too much is another thing I think people need to stop and think about. Absolutely. So like I said, there's a lot going on. Um, you're planning, you're organizing, and those things require quiet time, right? So this ability to yep. just close the door and sit down with your organizing and planning tools. There's a lot of thought. There's a lot of foresight. There's a lot of usually reading past evolutions or past maintenance procedures to see how they went. What's the importance of having this quiet time and isolating yourself, whether it's not just physically in a space, but managing email and the phone and other distractions that can distract you during the planning and organizing phases of your day? Making that space for yourself allows you to see with a level of perspective, you know, that goes back to, you know, to clarity and going back to the stress, that stress magnifies the thing that we're looking at. It magnifies the problem. It magnifies, you know, the the situations that we have in front of us, where instead of focusing on the problem, we make everything the problem. So that space allows us to step back, take a breath and look at all the things with the level of perspective and put things in their proper order and prioritize what matters now. Uh, because everything does not matter right now. We, we have the, that space gives us the ability to take a break and to recognize where we can gain a foothold, maybe in, in our productivity, where we can, where we can gain positive aspects and things that maybe everybody else hasn't been able to see just because they're in the fight. Right. And that's that's the point of being able to take that space so you can step back and see, you know, see the full field. Yes. And I also think this gets a point you made that's important is uh, this concept of priorities and knowing priorities. You know, when I was a young command mass chief, I remember going into a command and um, Samir McBride talked about this on the episode about uh, growing into your new role. Right. You can have all the greatest ideas when you're rolling into a new position and, and think you've got your priorities set. But you got to understand who's really setting the priorities, right? They're set usually in your responsibilities that are outlined in some document and your boss's priorities. So if you find yourself in a place, maybe that's a good place to start is, hey, go again to, hey, what should I be doing every day? Am I meeting the fundamental priorities that are in responsibilities that are outlined for me in my job description? And number two, am I aligned to my boss's priorities? Because if I'm doing other work at that time and not fulfilling those, I'm just adding a plate to the list. That's uh, distracting me from achieving what I need to be doing. Absolutely. It has to, it has to start at the top. Uh, we are, as CMCs, we are uh, strategic uh, translators. You know, we start with the commander's intent and we have to translate that, you know, to the, the individuals on the deck plate. And if we are not keeping commander's intent at the at the front of our, our consciousness, our awareness, you know, then we're going to definitely miss the mark on completing the mission that is set for us. Absolutely. What is your perspective on people not delegating as a root cause of losing focus and clarity, right? So if I have people that are willing and capable of doing certain tasks for me, delegation is an important tool. It allows you to spin multiple plates at once and be more efficient and effective in your management role. What's your advice on delegation to help solve this problem? I think delegation is something that is is of 
absolute necessity. But I think that there's a there's a level deeper than um, just delegation, because I think that people don't delegate because of insecurity and ego. And that goes back to the the self-management, the self-mastery perspective of, hey, it does not matter who gets the credit. What matters is that we complete the mission. And I think a lot of times, you know, we want the credit and, it, you know, sometimes it's subconscious, sometimes it's, it's, it's an overt thing, but we don't trust the people that, that we are privileged to lead, you know, in a way that prepares them, you know, to truly be leaders. We take the brunt of the task on ourselves, um, solely because we haven't adequately trained. We haven't, you know, we have this, this ego aspect that I, I got to do everything, um, because we haven't been shown the proper way. Or we're just insecure in a way that uh, we're trying to cover up for other inadequacies, you know, to show that we actually know what we're doing. You know, but we have to be able to put our team in a position where we are creating leaders by giving them the opportunity to to show their talents, to show their gifts. Right? We can't take it all on ourselves. It's not possible. You know, so we have to be able to to properly delegate and we have to deal with our own ego. We have to deal with our own insecurities that would limit us from delegating. Right. We have to deal with that within ourselves first because it's an it's an us issue if we're not properly delegating. Yeah, I love that internal perspective I talked on a prior episode about part of it is who you selecting the right person to delegate to, so properly assessing that you got a person of competence and character to fulfill it. And that you fully communicate the expectations you have. But I love that point you made about that internal piece of it as well. So that was good. So you touched on something here. What's the importance of embracing the quiet? That's what I wrote down. So what I mean by that is just because you get some quiet time, sometimes I feel leaders and managers have a tendency to think if I'm not doing something all the time, I'm doing something wrong. But I think it's important to embrace that quiet and use it either for reflection, planning, self-learning. And frankly, to give your team time to breathe and operate on their own and fulfill the things you've tasked them to. Do you think I'm off there? Absolutely not. I schedule my quiet time. And, you know, sometimes throughout the day, it, it, it's limited to only five minutes. Um, and sometimes I, you know, I get a full, you know, 15 or 20 minutes to, you know, just to kind of sit back, reflect, not engage in, you know, checking email, not engage in action, you know, but to just sit back. You know, reflect on the day, reflect on is the day going according to the blueprint that I set forth and how do I need to alter my next moves? How do I need to alter maybe even my attitude? How do I need to alter, you know, my approach, you know, to continue to go down the right path? Because if you're so involved in just doing, 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 you never get an opportunity. More importantly, you run out of energy to be able to alter your approach, to be able to change how you're aggressively going at whatever task you're dealing with, because you never get a chance, you know, to look in the rearview mirror, you never get a chance, you know, to assess oncoming traffic. And you just you're just going, going, going. You know, so for me, during those times, that's when I, I take the time to to do my, you know, doing, you know, doing my breathing exercises, you know, taking the time to just you know, really consider what my approach is and, and to increase my aperture and how I see, because that time a lot really opens your aperture into the broader perspective of how things are going and gives you a better sense of how you can continue on. So um, it's very vital for me. Also, it gives me an opportunity to kind of, you know, step away and so I can mitigate my emotional, my emotions. Right. You know, because as as a CMC, you're getting you're ha- I have about 50 to 60, you know, normal interactions, 
you know, every single day with people and 80 to 90 percent of those interactions are them bringing me something negative. Right. So I need that time to, to assess myself to make sure that I'm not giving them an emotionally compromised uh, solution or not empowering them by, you know, by giving them a crutch of being able to come to me and just to have the answer. It's when I don't have that level of energy where I'm just giving the answer and just get away from me kind of deal. Right. Well, if I'm trying to create leaders, I want to be able to bring them in. Let's have a conversation. What do you think should happen? What do you think should be done and allow them to come up with the answers for themselves? If I don't take that time for myself, then I my energy is depleted. And all I'm going to do is try to get from A to B the quickest way possible. But I'm not creating leaders in that circumstance. What do you think about the ability or the inability to say no when you need to is a factor in this? And I think you just touched on it, right? There's a time and a place when you should be available, but there's a lot of people that will come to you and some people thrive off that position of being needed all the time. But again, all it does is it, you know, it can distract you from the primary focus and the things you need to be focused on. What's been your experience with that? I've never really had a problem you know, saying no. I try to be as compromising as possible, but I'm not willing, you know, to compromise the best version of myself just to be present, if if that makes sense. Yeah. Because if I'm compromised where where I am operating at a deficit, I am not the best possible leader that I can be. Therefore, I'm not going to make the best decisions. I'm not going to operate with clarity. The situation is not going to turn out well. So I ke- I begin with the end in mind. Am I going to be able to bring the best version or the best possible version of myself to a situation? If not, then I need to step back because now instead of being an addition or adding value to the situation, now I'm taking away uh, from that situation and it has an opportunity of going bad. So, yeah. It's okay to protect space, especially when you're, you know, definitely if you're directing or you're following up on something, you know, it's okay to tell a person not right now, but I will follow up with you later. I have to focus on this thing. Let's get into the importance of time management. I think that's a big piece of this too. You know, a lot of things are coming in. A lot of things are on people's mind. Uh, What's your advice on time management? I have a a contentious relationship with time management just because (laughs) I don't think it's possible because I don't think it's possible to manage time. Uh, We have 24 hours and that's all we got. Um, So you can't really manage that. You have to manage yourself in lieu of time. I alluded earlier to what I do for at the beginning of my week on Sundays. I sit down. I have a, a two hour block where I, I sit down and I analyze what the I lay out the blueprint for my week and I develop my priorities and my schedule from that place. You know, my kids are not in you know in, involved in that. I bring my wife in. We make sure we're syncing up you know, our calendars because the family and personal aspect of that is huge. You know, but the next portion of that, you know, once she leaves out, it's. You know, what is uh, my my CEO's uh, intent for the week? We sync up. Um, I've, I've already synced up with him. So I know what he what expectations he has. And I have a picture for what I want, you know, for that week well before I go into it. And that helps immensely because now it allows me to be proactive, you know, rather than a, a reactive leader while I'm just waiting for things to happen. When I was an active duty, one of the things I tried to do the best I could, like Fridays, when the division came in, you know, we tried to front load maintenance and those kind of things. So Friday, come in, muster, you know, maybe do a last bit of cleaning and straighten it up. Maybe people that need to do quals did that. But then I tried to kick them out of there by lunch on Friday. And then I took Friday afternoon to do exactly what you were talking about. Look to the next week, not just with maintenance schedules, with personal schedules, meetings, 
when did I want to have time one-on-one with those informal conversations and thinking about that stuff so that taking time again on your own schedule to put that planning time is important. Even now, post-retirement, I got Naval Institute work I do. I'm working a podcast there. I've got this podcast. I was writing the Petty Officer's Guide. So even now, my plate was getting full. I would find if I didn't write down specific things to do for that day and work off a work list to that broader plan, I would easily get distracted because that almost guilt would creep up in the back of my head of like, oh, crap, I need to do this, right? And then I would like stop, work on this thing and want to shift to another thing. But I found if I worked that list in order by priority and got through as much as I could at the end of the day, go, okay, I got everything done except for one thing. I'm going to put that at the top of the list for tomorrow and start over. That really helped me keep focus on those tasks I needed to get done during the day. I, I do it the same way. And like I said, that this whole process started because I sat down with a mentor um, and they had me go through the next, you know, the the next two weeks analyzing what I was doing throughout the day. About 60 percent of the things that I was doing were not value added. So it started there to really be- get a conscious awareness of what I was doing day in and day out and what had become habits. What negative habits, what negative triggers that I have at work that sucked up my time? I, I love sports and I would have conversations about fantasy football, have <laughs> conversations about what, you know, the, my favorite basketball team, who's going to do this. And when I, when I did that exercise, I realized that about 15% of my days, you know, were clouded with having conversations that were not value added. And those triggers were, you know, just sitting down in the in the mess of somebody coming in and having those conversations. Next thing you know, I'm just wasting 30 minutes where I could have been doing something way more profitable and I can have those conversations after work. So it's just something that small of recognizing how something that we may consider as innocuous, not important, that really sucks up our time where instead of working effectively and effective, positively affecting the workspace, we're just existing in a workspace and just and just working long. This gets into procrastination, right? So realm of procrastination is very in- interesting, right? Because I have a tendency to do that because I thrive at the la- you know, off the last minute, got to get it done sense of urgency. But sometimes procrastination can be in, you know, how you, those heavy lifting projects that are just daunting, it's kind of how you start going in these other little things to kind of avoid that. So I'll talk about that later, but, uh, you know, understand procrastination is a key point of this. All right. So Absolutely. we talked about the individual, the kind of leading, managing self piece. Let's get into the role of the leader's responsibility and what they can do to help their teams manage being distracted and staying focused. So what's your advice to the leaders and managers to help their teams manage through these challenges? At the the very top is clearly communicating expectations. I had a leader, one of my leaders, one of my mentors told me a while ago, you know, leadership is about saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, um, because, you know, everybody is not going to receive on the same frequency. So you end up having to say the same things in different ways to make sure that your expectations are communicated uh, throughout. And while there is a there's trust for your team, but there has to be a level of follow up. Or there has to be a, a level of, of of mentorship that you apply you know, to your teams to make sure they're, they're getting to the results that you're expected. Now, sometimes those the, the method and the pathway that they're getting to those results uh, may be different than how you would do it. But that is what it's about in creating leaders. Right. Because people are going to do things with their own gifts and their own talents. And it's going to look completely different than yours. But. 
the truth of the matter is that what matters is the results that they're getting. So are they getting the proper results? That's what you're looking for. Divorce yourself away from the methodology, you know, so they can fully express themselves and how they want to get that done. Uh, One of the big things, too, is helping people protect their time, right? Keep people focused on priorities. And to your point, you know, leaders and commanding officers, commanders, communicating those priorities and then helping remove these other, call them administrative distractions in some cases, but um, sometimes there's other distractions that can happen as well to keep you off, off the mission, I think is important. And the one side that's, that's not talked about that in preparation for your team, right? You manage your team, you do all those things, you protect their time, but also there has to be an alignment, has to be in alignment with the department chief, you know, with the division officer, with the department head, because if you're setting up your team for success and not having those conversations with those that are appointed above you, they may have different priorities for your team than you do. And if you're not aligned, you can find yourself in a very contentious situation where they're dictating now to your team what needs to get done because you did not have that conversation. You're not on the same page. You're not aligned with those that are pointed above you. You mentioned some readings you did earlier. Anything you would suggest to the audience or any other resources or last thoughts you want to offer? To maintain clarity, we need to make sure that we're assessing all of the domains that exist um, and separating those things, you know, so that we can adequately mitigate them. So so I call them, you know, got the family domain, make sure, you know, that your your family is aligned, you know, with what what's coming up. Don't hold anything back from your family. Let them know, you know, what's going on. Bring, you know, bring your spouse in as a part of, you know, the team because it is a team aspect. So don't hold anything back. Make sure that family domain is clear. They understand what's going on. You know, the professional domain, make sure that you understand every tier of expectation that comes from a professional, from your professional level. You know, for the chief petty officer, that those tiers generally fall in the, in the lane of maintenance, training, you know, qualifications, personnel, you know, and, and planning, making sure that you understand all those all those tiers. And then the collaborative domain, when I say collaborative domain, your relationships with your team, be an, an involved leader, make sure you understand what's going on, not only with your family and your your team, but their families as well. What could be affecting them on a personal level that's affecting their results? And then also understanding the strategic domain. What is the what is the big picture that needs to get you know, that that has to get done? This may be a you know a six month outlook, maybe a year outlook, a year and a half outlook, but making sure that everything that you're doing lines up with you know that that strategic uh, demand. All right. I think we'll wrap it up. So that was a great discussion, I think. A lot of insights were offered back and forth. So my guest today has been Navy Mass Chief and soon-to-be author, Armin Owens. Thanks for joining me today, and thanks for your time. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. Hopefully you found this one insightful and useful. Work hard to keep your leadership cutlass sharp, reflect and improve, and take what you learn to go become a sturdy, versatile, incredible leader who makes a positive difference in your personal and professional life. 